Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Happy Thursday, everybody, and welcome to episode 39 of the Snyder Cut. I am your bald host, Jeff Snyder, senior film reporter at Collider.com. Guys, look what I did to my head. I just went for it. I don't know what I was thinking. Uh, I mean, you know, my, my, my ex-girlfriend used to cut my hair, uh, and, and one of my best friends, his girl or fiance now, she would cut my hair, but I'm not in L.A. anymore. I'm in Boston. So if I want to get a haircut, I got to like, you know, do the mask and gloves thing and go to some, you know, super cuts type of place. And who knows what they would have done to my head anyways. I tried to cut my own hair, I think on Saturday, and it was a disaster. Everybody was making fun of me and my family. So on Sunday, I just went for it. I grabbed it, went just like that. There was no going back. So this is the new look for the summer. The buzz cut really shows my terrible hairline. Hope you'll enjoy it. Make all the jokes you want. Where do we want to start this week? Uh, let's just rub it in first. Tenet. Delayed. Again. Just like I said it would be. Guys, movies aren't happening. Movies aren't happening for a while. I mean, honestly, I'd be surprised if the movies came out in August. I mean, you could even see, I think there was a deadline report recently that indicated that Studios may be getting a little antsy about August, too. They may move everything to September now. I mean, I, w- I honestly wouldn't be surprised if we saw Tenet on Wonder Woman's date in October. Um, but then again, you know, numbers are still rising. No one's saying that they're going to be going down in October. So it's like, maybe we're just waiting for movie theaters and movies to return until January 2021 or whenever there's a vaccine. It's crazy. I mean, listen, I, I don't want this to be happening. I'm not trying to you know, brag about being right. I'm just telling you, like, look out the window. Look outside. It's a goddamn shit show. And if you think that Warner Brothers is going to just throw a movie into theaters because you really, really want to see it, you're crazy. Uh, It's like, are the Warner Brothers executives themselves willing to go to the movie theater? They all, many of them have children. Are they going to bring their children to, to see Tenet opening weekend? Listen, if the answer to those questions is no, then they're not going to put it out. Um, so yeah, tenant delayed, everything else is shifting. It's going to be shifting in like these two-week blocks now. I will say that it was a very, first of all, the, the, the idea of releasing movies on Fridays and, and things like that going forward, I don't really understand it. I mean, if, if, uh, if you have a day that works that maybe is not a Friday, Put it out then, because what is time? Time is meaningless. Is today Thursday? Is it Friday? Is it Tuesday? I have no idea. Even though I did say happy Thursday at the top, only because I've been saying happy Friday for weeks and Thad had to correct me. Um, yeah, it's just like, so they're releasing this movie on a Wednesday, and I think that that's smart, because there'll be you know, all these people who are working who can't see it. They won't be able to see it till Friday or Saturday. So it's a way of you know, further spacing out crowds. So there will be the people who are there, you know, Tuesday night at midnight or whatever it is. Um, the other interesting thing about Tenet this week is just like, you know, the, the Anne Hathaway junket actors on actors story, whatever the hell it was. I think it was actors on actors with Hugh Jackman. Uh, they did a little Les Mis reunion. She was talking about how there were no chairs on Christopher Nolan's set. He bans chairs. This is like the kind of thing that, 
I would never in a million years pick up as an editor in chief of a site. Like, oh my God, there's just, first of all, actors are, their jobs are to entertain. It's like not everybody is being literal. It could feel like there were no chairs on set. I wanted to sit down. I couldn't find a chair or all the chairs were taken or like, and so they just say, oh, there are no chairs on set. Of course there are chairs on set. Don't be stupid. Um, so yes, of course, Kelly Bush Novak had to come out and uh, say, of course there are chairs. The only thing that, that uh, Chris has banned on set are cell phones and smoking. When are when is the media? When are these stupid movie blogs going to learn that stuff like this? It's just it's just noise. Just like there's so many stories out there. Do we have to regurgitate every single thing that has Christopher Nolan in the headline? Oh, it's frustrating. Um, other big news this week: Margot Robbie starring in a Pirates of the Caribbean reboot. This isn't the reboot that that Craig Mazin is doing uh, with with I think it's was it Ted Elliott. Um, but this is going to be her own female-driven thing with Christina Hodson, I believe, writing the script. She did Birds of Prey, and they have, you know, a, a like a, it's a talent incubator thing going on themselves. Um, but yeah, Margot, do I like this for her? I don't like this franchise. I don't like pirates in general. So let me just take you back. The most embarrassing. To me, the single most embarrassing Oscar nomination to be given out in the last 20 years is Johnny Depp's Best Actor nomination for Pirates of the Caribbean. Preposterous. I'm sorry. Even if he was good in the role, you don't give performances like that Oscar nominations. Well, it must have been a weak year. Totally silly. Jack Sparrow. I, I mean, I couldn't. I didn't like Pirates of the Caribbean. I never saw, I don't know if I saw the second one and then I cut bait or if I just never went back after the first one. But yeah, who, who has seen Pirates 3 and 4 and 5? Like you've got to be a real glutton for punishment at that point. And that, that's one thing that makes me glad to not necessarily be a film critic because you couldn't pay me enough to see these fucking movies. Uh, do I think that Margot could do something with it? I don't think it's a bad career move for her. I mean, considering everything that Disney has invested in the POTC franchise, like it's another big tentpole for her. She's in business with Disney. Like from a business perspective, it's a smart move. But, you know, do I want to see her as, as Red the Pirate or something like that? Because that, there was some speculation around that that they may take that, uh, you know, Red the wench who was on the auction block. You know, they, they could totally flip that whole thing um, and use it as sort of a launching point for a, a female pirate movie. I just don't care. It's just, it's not for me. You know, it, it's a big, dumb, stupid summer movie that people will go see. But, you know, unless there's a real character for her to play the way that there was with Harley Quinn and Suicide Squad, an otherwise terrible movie. But, you know, she was this fun thing that everybody liked about it. I mean, God, that Halloween, everybody was Harley Quinn, I remember. Um, if they can find a character for Margot to play in Pirates then maybe they'll have something on their hands. Um, Seth Rogen doing a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles CGI animated reboot. So do I like it? Yes. I love the Ninja Turtles. I grew up a huge Ninja Turtles fan. Can you guess who my favorite turtle was? It was Donatello. Because Donatello used his brain. And I like the color purple. Uh, Raphael was always a dick. Leo was the leader and Michelangelo was the fun one. And it's like, would Seth Rogen make a great Michelangelo? Yes, he would. 
could I also see him being Casey Jones or something like a, you know, or someone who's put into a Casey Jones type situation? I think it'd be good. I, I, I mean, Seth Rogen, you know, his, his, he has such a distinctive voice. He's done so much uh, voice acting in the animated movies. You know, maybe it wouldn't be anything special. Maybe he's just looking to produce. Um, I don't know if they if they said he's going to write the script or just produce or if they have a writer or they don't yet. But I, I would love to see Seth Rogen's take on ATMNT reboot i could even see him as like krang or something uh, or bebop and rocksteady man i loved i loved all those comics i read oh, i read so much fucking ninja turtle stuff growing up and played all the games and oh, it was great so you know i think i don't know if i saw the second turtles movie the first one was like whatever and then that was jonathan liebsman right and then what did dave green do the other one i can't even remember i'm trying to like do schmodan trivia with myself here um, but yeah, they were, they weren't anything great, nothing special. If they can, you know, make them fun and, but not stupid. Like, I know it has to be for kids, but I don't know. There was something that I think it could appeal to adults with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It could be the sort of thing that everybody goes to see, like a Pixar movie rather than just, ch- you know, small children. So I don't know. Wishing Seth Rogen the best of luck. I think of all the animated properties that could use him. That's a good one. Uh, Mulan director Nikki Caro doing this movie Beautiful Ruins for Amblin and Sam Mendes. Uh, sounded like a weird kind of movie. It involves an Italian guy who runs a hotel, and then there's no guest at the hotel until this American starlet comes. I believe that's Elizabeth Taylor, because this is like, you know, either during or after Cleopatra. I don't know. It sounded kind of weird to me. But on the, on the other hand, Nikki Caro is really the director the female director who's been given the largest budget. She's really been given one of the largest budgets for any director, uh, $200 million for Mulan. I believe that that tops Wonder Woman's or Wonder Woman 1984's Patty Jenkins, who I think that movie costs around 175 million. Ava DuVernay, you know, we made a huge deal about her. That was a, a female uh, director of color getting a budget over, you know, a hundred million. But yeah, this is 200 million for, for Nikki Caro. I think Hollywood really respects her. Um, you know, she did North Country, Whale Rider, the leads in those movies both got Oscar nominations. I love McFarlane USA. I thought she did a great job with that. Uh, you know, a, a small movie that Disney kind of just tossed out there because, you know, it wasn't going to make a billion dollars for them. I, I think that Disney and Warner Brothers, too, have trouble marketing some of the smaller movies on their slate. But McFarlane USA was a really good uh, sports film with Kevin Costner. Um, so that's what she is up to. Mulan. Hasn't been del- has it been delayed yet? I don't think it has. I think it's still slated for end of July, but obviously a, a decision is coming. I think that there's going to be a lot of decisions made after the holiday weekend, um, and we see whether there's going to be a, a big spike, you know, with people celebrating the Fourth of July together. Um, but yeah, I think it's safe to say, you know, you're not going to be seeing Milan for for a little while unless. For some reason, they put it on Disney Plus, but I just don't see how the economics of that work. It's not Artemis Fowl. It's not, you know, the one and only Ivan. This is a $200 million movie that has the potential to be an international blockbuster. Um, Emancipation, the Will Smith slavery movie. This actually sounds pretty interesting, I think. He's playing a runaway slave named Peter. It's based on a true story. Uh, you know, Peter, he, got, he, he caught a vicious beating and he was like, fuck this shit. He took off from the plantation in Louisiana. It was this very arduous journey to the north. He got up north and they took photos of him, the army doctors took photos of his back, which was all lashed up 
And those photos basically went viral around the world back in the 1860s, you know, viral, uh, at least for back then. And so Antoine Fuqua and him are doing this action thriller. It was going, it's going to be, you know, kind of like The Revenant. And now they have a real budget to play with, you know, or they're just lining their own pockets. Bidding initially started on this thing at like 70 million and there were a whole bunch of suitors and it got up closer to a hundred million or so. And it was just Apple and Warner Brothers duking it out. Uh, Warner Brothers is, is home to, you know, Will Smith's I Am Legend and Focus and, and he's shooting King Richard for them right now. And then it just went over a hundred million and uh, got to at least like 105. And at that point, you know, a- a- Apple won it. Apple won it at 105 and then they had to shell out another 15 or so to buy out like the back ends for Will Smith and Antoine Fuqua. I mean, and this one is expected to go to theaters, but I don't know what kind of release it will ultimately ultimately get. It could be you know, like a four wall type release the way that uh, Netflix did with, with the Irishman and a bunch of its movies. Um, so it remains to be seen, I don't you know, whether Apple's going to be partnering with A24 on theatrical stuff or, you know, what an a- actual Apple movie in theaters is supposed to look like. The banker was supposed to hit theaters and then, you know, what happened happened and it didn't. Um, Apple, though, you know, shelling out for Hollywood's biggest A-list stars. This is Will Smith at $120 million, okay? Uh You've got Leonardo DiCaprio, Killers of the Flower Moon. That's $200 million. They just spent $70 million on the Tom Hanks movie Greyhound. And I believe that that embargo lifts uh, next Monday. I did uh, see it. So I'll be able to tell you whether they got their money's worth or not soon. Um, but that's almost $400 million on three movies. You know, Leo, Will Smith, Tom Hanks. You can clearly see Apple's uh, strategy, at least, you know, there. Um, and, you know, they, they, they have to pay a premium. They don't have a library to fall back on. They need this, you know, original material. But they also need, you know, more, like, movie executives. I, I still, I don't know, you know, who is the, the guy making the Apple movie decisions? Or is it still Jamie and Zach, the TV guys? I, I don't know. Um, but I thought, yeah, I thought that, that was interesting from Apple this week. Uh, Zachary Levi, Lionsgate. Who knows if Apple will buy Lionsgate or Sony or Paramount. God, the way everything's going these days. But uh, Lionsgate has signed Zachary Levi up Shazam to play Kurt Warner, the former NFL star, two-time NFL MVPs, the Super Bowl MVPs, a Hall of Famer. This guy went from stocking supermarket shelves to becoming one of the greats. There's a, you know, Zachary Levi bears a little bit of a resemblance to him. I mean, you know, all things considered, he's got, and he's got the superhero physique. Uh, he can play a, a football player. He's got that, you know, sort of Midwestern aw shucks vibe about him too. Um, so I think this is a, a good project for Zach Levi, a good project uh, for Lionsgate. Like Kurt Warner, I think should be probably happy with this in, in the end. Um, yeah, it's it's an interesting one. And, and this is from the Irwin brothers who have been doing a lot of faith-based films. Um, Kurt Warner is obviously a, a man of faith, so they're, they're going to harness that element of this. But, you know, this could also have crossover appeal and, and it could become one of Lionsgate's most successful movies, you know, depending on that, that first trailer and whether it strikes a chord with people. I remember being, you know, quite moved by Kurt Warner's story. I think America really got behind him. And he is, it is American underdog. That's the title. Uh, so yeah, I, 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 an interesting choice for, for, for Lionsgate, for Levi and, and all that. Mahershala Ali, the two-time Oscar winner, going to be playing Jack Johnson again. He played him uh, on stage uh, back in the day when he was just starting out. Now he's going to be in a six-part HBO limited series about the legendary boxer. Uh, it's going to be, you know, 
political. Like Jack Johnson was more than just a, a fighter in the ring. He actually stood for something. Um, listen, Mahershala can do, can do no wrong in my book. And, and he obviously has a relationship with HBO. He just produced a documentary for them and he starred in true detective uh, season three. So if this is what he wants to do, if this is his dream rule, I am all for it. Congrats to Mahershala. Um, there's a fallout series coming to Amazon from the Westworld producers, Jonathan Nolan, Lisa Joy. I'm, I don't, I've never played fallout. I'm not really terribly familiar with the game. I mean, it seems like a great play by Amazon, but this is also the kind of thing that may never happen. Um, I know Showtime is finally getting the, pulling the trigger on its Halo series. Uh, I think that had to shut down. I don't know if that ever wrapped production. I think it shut down due to the pandemic, but you know, these giant video games that, that can gross 50, 60 or 500 million or something in, in a weekend, you know, like uh, it's big business. There's a, there's huge fan bases. Twitch is a gigantic website. Like I think you're going to see a lot more of these kinds of limited series or I guess this isn't a limited series, I don't think, but you could do limited series based on these giant video games, Mass Effect, I'm just trying to think of all these games I never played. Gears of War, GTA, Twisted Metal, whatever it is. My father just got home, so I've got to tell him not to interrupt us. Dad, we are taping the podcast, so be quiet. Um, what else do we got this week? We've got a whole bunch of like news for shows that I, I really won't care about, but we'll just throw it out there. There's a Clone High reboot coming to MTV from uh, Lord and Miller, so fans of that show rejoice. Uh, Beavis and Butthead, which I did grow up on, that is coming to Comedy Central, a, a new series from, from Mike Judge rebooting it. Uh, well, not reboot. I mean, it's, it's going to be the same Beavis and Butthead that we know and love, but I'm sure uh, it'll be a little bit different. Uh, Harley Quinn, the animated series that everybody seems to love, coming to HBO Max, so if you don't have DC Universe or wherever the hell that airs, you know, just be patient. It will be on HBO Max. Same with Scoob. Started watching uh, Scoob recently. I think I got maybe 20, 20 more minutes left. Um, it was whatever. You know, if I was a kid, maybe, maybe I'd love it. I just grew up on those old Scooby-Doo uh, cartoons, and it was, it was not quite the same. It was just too busy. Little, you know, I wanted the, the, the gang together, and they're too separated in, in the Scoob movie. Um, New Oscar voters. Oscar voted, uh, invited like 800 new people into its ranks. It's going to be a whole bunch more voters that uh, we're going to have to account for their tastes and, and whatnot when we make predictions later. A um, lot of interesting names. I thought the, the horror guys, uh, Ari, Aster and, uh, Ari Aster and Robert Eggers, were both interesting. The Peanut Butter Falcon star, Zach Gottsagen, he got in. I think that's awesome. You know, the, like diversity is about more. And I, this is actually one thing that's kind of important to me. I mean, to me, diversity is more than just, you know, gender and race. There is a lot, there are a lot of things that make us different and, and unique. And, and so the fact that Zach Gottsagen got in there, um, I think is, is awesome. I started texting and emailing all these people who I know, you know, a lot of publicists and executives, that kind of stuff who got in. And I was stunned to learn that they didn't know that they were being invited. Like I told some of them, like, cause they, you know, as soon as the list came out, I read it. But if you, you know, waited or delayed in reading that list, you're finding out from me via text, which is weird. One of those people, uh, one of my, my favorite, I don't love her new movie, Irresistible, was Mackenzie Davis. 
who I've been reporting on since the very, very early days of her, her career. And I texted her, let her know. She was like, wait, what, really? Uh, um, so I, I was honored to, to, to uh, be the messenger on that one. Um, I think that she is going to be part of the fabric of this industry for years to come. Um, I thought she was really good in, in the new Terminator movie, which if you haven't seen, you should track that down. But yeah, irresistible, bit of, bit of a misfire. Um, Lovecraft Country got a release date on HBO. I'm very excited for, for that series from Misha Green, Jordan Peele, J.J. Abrams. has a really cool cast. Michael K. Williams, Jonathan Majors is in there, I think. That's going to be coming August 16th. There's a lot of fun stuff coming in August, uh, including Tenet now, supposedly. And what else got a date? There's something else I got a date. Oh yeah, I'm thinking of ending things. Charlie Kaufman's Netflix series, uh, movie, sorry, Netflix movie starring Jesse Plemons and Jesse Buckley. Is there, are there any other Jessies in there? David Thewlis and, and Tony Klett, three of whom have been on Fargo or will be on Fargo. That is going to be coming September 4th. Uh, so that seems like it probably would have been a, a Toronto title or maybe it is a Toronto title. You know, they haven't announced all of their titles. Um, Curb Your Enthusiasm renewed for season 11. Yes. Excited to have Larry back. Uh, I'm sure he's going to be touching, you know, a whole season about the pandemic is just perfect. Like, can you see, can you imagine Larry fighting for toilet paper, getting into arguments about wearing or not wearing the mask? It's going to be genius. Uh, so I will be subscribing to HBO till at least uh, that, that show comes back. Um, oh, another renewal news, Ozark, getting a fourth and final season, although some people are like, well, isn't it two seasons? Why? Because it's being split up into two parts. It's going to be 14 episodes that are going to run in seven episode chunks. So you could call it five seasons, or you could call it season 4A and season 4B. I mean, you know, seven episodes does not necessarily a season make, uh, but then 14 episodes is also like, it is a supersized season, so... Uh, excited to to have that show back. I think it, it's it, it was always heading towards that. I, I don't. I, I never really thought Ozark was a five episode show or five season show. Um, so the fact that they're going to wrap it up on this one with just a few extra episodes, you know, uh, I'm psyched for that. They 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 mentioned all the actors who are coming back in the release. They didn't mention uh, Felix Solis, who who plays Omar Navarro, but it may just because he's not considered one of the main cast members. Um, Ava DuVernay working on a Colin Kaepernick series called Colin in Black and White. It is going to be about a young Colin Kaepernick and what he was like in school, uh, you know, uh, growing up. And uh, that sounds interesting to me. At first I was like, I don't know, it was kind of, it felt like opportunist, like it was sort of trying to take advantage of this moment. Uh, and, and, you know, obviously people, Ava DuVernay is a, a, a special storyteller. People want her to be involved in their projects. She's involved in a lot of stuff, but, um, you know, this sounds like a, a really interesting project and, and, and a worthy one. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, Emma Watts back at Fox reunited with Jim G, Jim Giannopoulos. Sorry, Emma Watts back at Fox. Emma Watts back at Paramount, reunited with the Fox guys, Jim Giannopoulos and, and a bunch of others over there. Jim, uh, yeah, he's just re rebuilding the old Fox gang. Emma Watts replacing um, Whit Godfrey, who, you know, did, did a decent job, brought in some, some big movies for the studio, like that Antoine Fuqua movie, uh, Infinite, um, with Mark Wahlberg, and he's got top, the Top Gun movies uh, coming soon. So, you know, Wick, Wick made some nice moves, but I think he, he may be better suited to run something like a Paramount Players 
boutique label than, than you know, the main studio. Emma Watts is, is a fantastic executive. Uh, yeah, she thought she was going to be making the, the uh, transition to Disney, and then they sort of cut her loose unceremoniously. So I'm glad that she landed on her feet you know, with people that she knows. Um, Jason Momoa is going to be voicing Frosty the Snowman, a sexy Frosty the Snowman, because Jason Momoa can't help but sound the way that he sounds. Um, you know, sure, whatever. I feel like my boss, Frosty, he got robbed. That, that role should have been his. But, uh, you know, Jason Momoa, you, you, you could do worse. You could do worse. Uh, I did think that this announcement was very, the, the timing of it was so fascinating because it came right on the heels of Ray Fisher coming out Going, taking Twitter, he played Cyborg in Justice League, calling out Joss Whedon for a bunch of gross, unprofessional, abusive behavior and saying that it was uh, you know, allowed to go on by Jeff Johns and John Berg, who are producers on the Frost and Snowman movie, which is going to star another member of the Justice League. What timing? I mean, you can't write this stuff. Isn't anybody paying attention to what is happening online? Couldn't someone have called Mike Fleming a deadline and been like, hey, don't run the Frosty the Snowman thing. Like, the shit with Ray Fisher is just popping off right now. But no, nobody's paying attention. It's crazy to me. Crazy. Uh, Ray Fisher, listen, there's always been a lot of Joss Goss, as they say. Um, And his his ex-wife made a lot of allegations in, in the rap way back in the day when I was at the rap. I don't really like to get too wrapped up in, in you know, the, the personal lives of stars or whatever. I do wish that Ray Fisher had offered like some examples. I think it's just like, you know, having been there, I suppose, it's just tough to just someone goes, oh, he's gross and unprofessional and abusive. And then just goes back into the shadows and like, doesn't elaborate on it. Doesn't follow up. Doesn't answer any interview requests. It just says something nasty and then, you know, th- throws a firebomb and steps back. It's, I don't know. It's kind of chicken shit, a little bit cowardly. But on the other hand, if Joss Whedon is, you know, in fact, a horribly abusive filmmaker or a racist or whatever, a misogynist, whatever he is, then, you know, the wrecking that we're in, we're in the midst of, uh, it's taking place. And, you know, he can't be spared just because he directed fucking Avengers. So uh, speaking of Marvel, Shang-Chi resuming production in Australia. Now, again, this is a different case because it's in Australia. I do not think things are going to be resuming production stateside for a while. Particularly, you know, it depends what state it's in, but particularly local production in Los Angeles, I think, is kind of fucked for the foreseeable future, which is crazy because I thought that people would want to stay close to home uh, so they could go back to their own homes at night and not have to stay in hotel rooms and stuff like that. So there, I thought LA production would actually go up, but uh, yeah, just the way things are in the city, it's really sad. Um, I, I think it's going to be a little while. Um, so yeah, Shang-Chi getting back in, uh, underway. I think that, yeah, in Australia, London, you know, places around the world, which are doing a better job of containing this virus. That's where you're going to see the cameras start rolling again. Uh, we had a piece on uh, saying Eric Kripke had started confirming some, some rumors that Jeffrey Dean Morgan may be coming to season three of the boys. I'm a big JDM fan. I like this guy. Uh, I, I really like the boys. Like I, I, I watched the season two thing that they were hyping up on, on zoom or whatever. And I caught the first opening minutes of season two. It looked like a, a crazy, violent, insane, fun blast. And I, I'm super stoked for the boys to return. I think that that's coming September 4th as well. Wow. What a day between that and a Charlie Kaufman movie. 
Um, we had a nice piece with uh, Fincher's cinematographer this week on Collider, Eric Messerschmidt, who talked about Mindhunter season three and how it's still on hold. You know, uh, we'll see if there's any actual final decisions made once Mank comes out this fall and, and Fincher gets through award season. So maybe, you know, the fate of Mindhunter, we may not find out until next spring, but hopefully they don't, you know, they put so much work into setting up that story and, and doing the BTK and stuff. I hope they don't just, you know, leave us hanging. Um, we're going to talk about some movies that I, I saw this week, which soon we're going to talk about, we're going to take some mailbag questions. I'm just going over the news again. Uh, all right. There was a princess bride remake that stars cobbled together on for, and then sold to Queeby or something. I don't even know what the fuck is happening. First of all, I know I'm that guy. Princess bride, a little overrated. I, I don't love the movie. Like it is beloved by many. Um, you know, fantasy, as you know, not really my bag. Uh, that is largely a fantasy movie. But it's just like, can all these stars, like, fucking chill? Can they just, like, go five minutes without having people pay attention to them? And it's, like, the same 20 stars, too, who are just, like, saying yes to everything. Because it's, like, they feel like it's their duty to entertain us during these tough times. But it's, like, really, bro, just, I don't know. Just take a step back and be with your family. It's all just... A bit too much. It's, you're trying too hard. Um, I published a top 10 Will Ferrell piece this week that I I was proud of, I'd have to say. Yeah, because I turned it all out in one day. Conceived, written, put together the whole thing one day. So we started – actually, I'll let you in on the, on, on the inside scoop here because that's what we got going at the Snyder Cut. When I started – there was initially a tie for number 10. It was between Wedding Crashers, which, again, great, great part, but it's, it's a small part. It's a cameo. And I had it tied with Austin Powers, and I started writing up my whole blurb, and then I realized about halfway through, I was like, you know what? Will Ferrell is wearing brown face as Mustafa in Austin Powers. Can't, I can't include him on this list for a brown face character, especially if it's not like an important character. It was tied for number 10. So it was an easy cut, easy decision. Editors backed me on that one. Um, and we just, you know, went with Wedding Crashers at number 10. But I am kind of surprised that, you know, given, you know, Will Ferrell in the news with Eurovision and everything, no one's brought up the Austin Powers. It's kind of interesting. Number nine, Stranger Than Fiction. Um, I liked Stranger Than Fiction. It wasn't super memorable for me, but the editors really wanted me to include that. And, and I see why it was his first big dramatic turn as a lead at least. Um, and it was successful for the most part, you know, give him credit. Number eight, that was the one for me. Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Love that Kevin Smith movie. Love Marshall, Will and Holly. I think he's great in it. But the top seven, I feel like were sort of indisputable. Like these are the seven best Will Ferrell movies. If that was the number you were going with seven was the other guys, which, you know, has held up. It's, it's uh, you know, rewatchable for a buddy action movie. Uh, it pairs him and Mark Wahlberg together years before Danny's home. Uh, six was Talladega Nights, which is good. Not one of my personal favorites. Same with number five, Elf. Again, these are really good characters. Buddy the Elf, Ricky Bobby, like, hard to argue with that. But the, the top four were the clear four for me. Number four, I went with Zoolander. Um, Mugatu is great uh, a, a fantastic comic creation three with Step Brothers which is my personal favorite Will Ferrell movie although Brennan Huff you can't really compare him to the top two characters on the list even though again my favorite Ferrell movie by far 
Number two is old school, Frank the Tank. And number one, of course, Anchorman, Ron Burgundy, the perfect comic creation. Had to be number one, super quotable. Uh, yeah, that's the top 10 Will Ferrell movies. So if you disagree with me, if you think I'm a smelly pirate hooker or something, leave a comment uh, below. Um, just going through the news again real quick. Oh, Nick Simon and Luke Baines, who worked together on The Girl in the Photographs, this little uh, slasher movie I caught up at Toronto one year. They're reteaming. They already reteamed on a horror movie that they shot with Claire Holt and Cal Penn, who has me blocked on Twitter, by the way. Um, can't imagine why. Nick Simon, Luke Baines, they have wrapped this movie. It's untitled, but it's about these six TV actors who are just, you know, their show's about to get canceled. They're in the middle of a pandemic, and so they decide to conjure this spirit uh, for, for, to get inspiration, and, and all hell breaks loose. So I really like Luke Baines. He is a guy who's been very uh, friendly to me when I run into him in Hollywood. He's got a great look. You know, he looks like a model. He's got these cut cheekbones. He makes a, a good psycho, uh, and um, as he did in Girl in the Photographs. And he was, he was cast by David Fincher at one point as David Bowie in a TV show that never, I think they filmed an episode or two and then they pulled the plug with God. I would love to see that one day. Um, what do we got? Are we almost done with the news? Oh, well, Netflix closed its deal uh, for Child of Chicago 7. They ended up paying $56 million. So I wonder what the ultimate budget was for that. I wonder if it was like 30 or 40 And so Paramount just gets like a quick $16 million, uh, you know, profit without having to spend anything on marketing seems like a good deal 56 million for netflix for a movie with all those stars i don't know if it you know maybe it cost 50 and then they had to spend six you know giving back back end to guys like michael keaton and joseph gordon levitt or whoever uh, is in that um i think that is kind of it uh you know just another is Cam Newton signed with the Patriots. Super pumped about that. Um, you know, who knows what he's got left in the tank, but I'd rather have him out there than, than Stidham, who I was a little, little nervous about. Uh, Ghislaine Maxwell was arrested today. Jeffrey uh, Epstein's right-hand woman. Congratulations to the feds, man. That, this, she seems like a real piece of work. I can't imagine the, the, the shit that she's seen. I wonder if she ends up cutting a deal because she knows a lot of shit. Um, without remorse moved to February 26th, you know, after Wonder Woman came into October and took, and took its date. That's the Michael B. Jordan, Tom Clancy movie. I think I, uh, I think I wrote my 1000th story for Collider this week. I've been there now for just over two years. So, you know, you do, you do the math on that one. It, it shakes out. Uh, so congratulations to me. Congratulations to my buddies, Justin Kroll and Boris Kitt. My, my compadres, my rivals, Justin, after 12 years at Variety, has decided to uh, head, jump to deadline to become the senior film reporter over there. He's going to work hand-in-hand hand with Mike Fleming, and that is a scary, scary twosome to be competing against. I'm sure Boris feels the same way, but I am also sure that Boris does not care today because Mazel Tov to Boris as well. He's getting married getting uh, married and uh, to a delightful publicist, Marielle. Um, so happy for, for both those guys, George, Justin and Boris. Make sure that you uh, send them a, a congrats on Twitter if you haven't already. Um, you can find me on me and Roca doing trivia on the Lights, Camera, Barstool podcast. We had a, a rematch with uh, 
Ken Jack and RA had a blast. Uh, so check that out if you've missed me on the Schmodown. Have to wish an RIP to, to Carl Reiner. I'm not wishing an RIP, but uh, we did lose him this week. I believe he was 98. He was like the creator of the Dick Van Dyke show, uh, which, you know, I, I don't, didn't really watch much of that. It's a little ahead of, uh, before my time. You know, people my age remember him as Saul Bloom from the Oceans trilogy, and, and he was wonderful in those movies. I'll always have a soft spot for Carl Reiner, the director. He did The, the Jerk and a whole bunch of other movies, but it was Summer School that captured my heart. I love that Mark Harmon, Kirstie Alley movie. Uh, you know, uh, it's, it's the perfect movie to watch during summer. So if you've never seen Summer School, check, track that down. Great high school movie. Um, oh, shout out to Gary Baum over at THR. I really liked his, his piece about the drama between Roy Lee and uh, John Powers Middleton. Uh, they had a, you know, producing arrangement that went sour, as many of these things do in Hollywood. But, you know, rarely are they as acrimonious as, as they seem to be here. You know, Middleton seemed like a, a decent enough guy. But, you know, a lot of these really rich guys, they come into Hollywood and they just they just get fleeced um, and they get taken advantage of. And, and you know, Steve Bing sounds like he could have been one of those guys as well. Um, it's, it sounds like that is what happened to Middleton, who is now working with, with Casey Affleck. Uh, again, he, he sounds like a nice guy. I don't know if, if Roy knowingly took advantage of him or if it's just like, hey, that's the way it worked out. Um, I, I personally know Roy and, and, and like Roy, really respect Roy. I'm sure that Roy did not get to be where he is in this business if he wasn't, you know, a bit of a, of a shark. I mean, this is a cutthroat business, and Roy is one of the biggest producers in town. He's also incredibly smart, um, and he has you know pretty pretty good taste in things. So, it's uh, I'm, I'm not here to take sides. I'm just here to say it was a pretty interesting piece uh, by by Gary Baum and THR. Um, I showed my dad a couple of movies before you get into the new movies that I saw. I showed dad two movies this week, the platform. I've now seen the platform five or six times. I never watched a dub before, but I I can't get big daddy to watch a movie with just subtitles. So he loved it. He's recommended the platform to like everybody he knows. Uh, Netflix don't underestimate my influence on the Jews of the greater Boston area. Because if I say one thing, I'm just going to get around in a circle from Needham to Newton to Natick to anywhere. I'm telling you, I've got, I've got reach um, amongst my J's anyway. And I also showed him run all night, the Liam Neeson, Ed Harris movie. That is a good movie. It overstays its welcome a bit. It gets a little, you know, stupid action movie towards the end, but that first hour is absolutely killer. I mean, it's a, it's a great setup, much like The Platform, which is just a brilliant premise. Uh, so, yeah, those two older movies that we had fun with this week. And then what else did I watch? I watched a whole bunch of stuff. I watched My Spy, which was not terrible, surprisingly. Dave Bautista, you know, he's he, there's something charming about him. Yes, this is another movie in the vein of a kindergarten cop and, and the pacifier. But, you know, I, I had fun with it and enjoyed uh, Kristen Shaw. There were a couple of times that it made me laugh out loud. Maybe that's because it came from uh, Peter Siegel, who did Tommy Boy. You know, he, he's an underrated comedy director. I watched Athlete A, which is one of the best films I've seen all year. That it explores the uh, USA Gymnastics scandal and Dr. Larry Nasser molesting all these girls. It's, it's terrible. Actually make uh, a good, you know, companion viewing with outcry which they do sunday night on showtime i am just filing my re- review on that today so that i think whether that comes up this holiday weekend or, or on sunday look for it this weekend because uh, i went real in depth on, on outcry it's a really powerful important brilliant show uh and, and something to you know watch sunday nights along with hbo's i'll be gone in the dark uh 
Um, the Five Bloods, I think I talked about that last week with, with Eurovision. Uh, Hammer, I saw, with, with Will Patton and uh, former Collider up-and-comer of the, of the month, Mark O'Brien. I thought that was an interesting indie. Certainly watchable. It was you know, short, like 80 minutes or so. Good performances. Um, good, good energy. I finally finished All Day and a Night. I think it's Joe Robert Cole's directorial debut with uh, Ashton Sanders and Jeffrey Wright. I like that. Uh, you know, maybe not winning originality points, but it, it had something to say. I liked The Outpost. That embargo finally lifted this week. That's Rod Lurie's uh, war movie with Scott Eastwood, Caleb Landry Jones, who's fantastic. I really think he is a bona fide best supporting actor contender, at least someone who should be in the conversation, um, particularly this year. Uh, and then Orlando Bloom was in it. Um, yeah, it was good. The, the camera work on, on the outpost is really tremendous. It's, it's a good looking movie and I can't imagine the budget was terribly high. I also finished watching standing up, falling down the Ben Schwartz, Billy Crystal indie comedy. I'd started watching that on my plane flight, uh, back to Boston. Uh, and I never, you know, the plane landed before the movie did. So I never saw the end of it. This week I caught up the end of it. And again, not going to win, you know, points for originality, but a really likable indie movie. Uh, I quite enjoyed it. Really like Ben Schwartz and, and Billy Crystal. You know, it's w- wonderful to see him too, because um, he hasn't been doing, you know, great stuff the last few years. Uh, and then I also saw the best movie that I've seen all year. And I know I'd had Tread right at the top of the list. I gotta make way for Crip Camp, uh, that I, you know, which I finally finished. I watched the first hour a couple of months ago, but and then you, you know, I, I for something, you know, something came up, and you got to be in the right mindset to watch Crip Camp because some, you know, some of it can be tough to watch. It, 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 these a lot of these uh, documentary subjects they had trouble see, uh, speaking, um, but if you give them the time, you really listen to what they're saying. It was so moving and so heartbreaking. I, I really, um, I can't imagine having to deal with some of the challenges that, that, uh, that, that the disabled deal with. Um, and it was just very inspiring to see their strength and, and, you know, how they come together, the, the unity of that, that group. So that, 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 if you haven't seen Crip Camp, it's executive produced by the Obamas. It's available on Netflix now and it's truly incredible. We had a bunch of trailers this week as well. Uh, the tax collector at the top of the list, Shia LaBeouf and David A are getting back together after Fury. I think it looks badass. I don't know how big Shia's role is because um, he's credited third after George Lopez, no less. So I wonder if he like gets killed off halfway through or something. Um, I know this is, you know, Bobby Soto is the protagonist, uh, but yeah, it looks, dude, fucking sign me up. This is my kind of summer movie. Shia, you're my, you're my, you're my dude. You always will be. Uh, the trailer for Amulet looked really good. That is uh, Ramla Garay's directorial debut. She's the uh, an actress from Atonement. A few other things you might recognize. Yeah, that looks scary. They sent me the screener for that one. I meant to watch it last night, and I passed out early. So I'm, I'm, I may catch up with that one tonight. The Amazon uh, Indian thriller series, Breathe Into the Shadows. That actually looked pretty good. That's much like the chain that we discussed in uh, uh, what last week or two weeks ago, the Edgar Wright kidnapping movie. This is about a guy whose daughter is kidnapped, and he has to not kidnap someone, but kill someone in order to get her back. Uh, that is the kind of premise that I can always get on board for. Uh, we got our first look at Jennifer Hudson in respect as Aretha Franklin. That looks like a surefire best actress contender right there. And then a bunch of documentary trailers like Showbiz Kids from Alex Winter, which you know it looks very 
kind of sad. Uh, I mean, I, I lived at the Oakwoods where all these child actors live, you know, during pilot season and stuff like that. And, and they talk like little adults and they have adult worries and they don't really, I, I feel like part of their childhood is robbed. So showbiz kids I'm looking forward to that's produced by the ringer boys state, which I think won the award at, at Sundance this year. That's going to be on Apple that, you know, maybe the, not the sort of movie I would normally watch based on the description, but based on the trailer, it looked very compelling. And then Ron Howard's rebuilding paradise, which also looked, uh, you know, emotionally devastating when you see what, the fire did to, to that town and, you know, seeing everybody come together. There was also, you know, last week, I think we missed trailer talk time, but there was the rental Dave Franco's director, directorial debut, which I've seen. That's a really effective trailer that ends on, on a scary note. Greenland, the Jerry Butler movie. I, I've said for, for a couple of months that, that looks good after a, an international trailer leaked the broken hearts gallery pairs, uh, Geraldine Viswanathan and, uh, Dicker Montgomery looks cute. I think Geraldine is, is a movie star just waiting to happen. I rewatched The Package on Netflix. Great movie. Go in and blind. Just, guys, if you haven't seen The Package on Netflix, go watch it right now. You'll thank me later. Uh, I've seen that, like the platform, four or five times. That may be the beauty of Netflix, that you can keep going back to this stuff, and it's easy. Jessica Chastain's Ava got a new trailer. Looked, uh, looked a little generic. <laughs> Um, but whatever, you know, it's her, it's Colin Farrell. It's got a decent cast. I'll, I'll check it out. Waiting for the barbarians hit with Mark Rylance, Johnny Depp and Robert Pattinson. And its director was accused of, of, uh, some, some, some shady behavior. Uh, it'd be interesting to see how that shakes out. There was also the silencing. That's an indie movie. I'm really actually looking forward to with Nikolai Costa Waldau, whose shot collar made my top 10 list uh, a few years ago. It's another serial killer cat and mouse kind of thing. You know, sign me up. The Kingsman that had a new trailer. I think that that looks fun. I, I, I liked that series, even though the second movie wasn't great. Got faith in Matthew Vaughn and then foundation. Um, the, the big Apple series that, that looks like they spent a lot of money on that. Um, so that sort of will do it for everything I've been, you know, watching and, and taking a look at. Let me just take a look at if there if there are any mailbag questions. Patrick Alio asks, is there, is there any news on Mark Romanek's next project? I really dug Tales from the Loop. Um, I was mixed on Tales from the Loop. You know, it's a beautiful series. I just don't, didn't, at first of all, I've only seen three of the eight episodes. Uh, maybe it was four. So I, I didn't know if it fully came together. Um, but I think he's a, a great filmmaker. I love one hour photo. Never let me go is terrific. Uh, so yeah, I, I don't know what is going to be next for him, but I am looking forward to it. And just a couple more things. Here we go. We got some more mailbag questions here. You guys are good to me. Broom kid. Subatomic freak says, seriously, what's the deal with movie theaters? It's not looking good for 2020. It's not, you know, and I, and I think that the sooner that the industry admits that, you know, because you can't keep making plans to reopen and then keep shifting it two weeks. Like, you know, that's only more money that you got to pay. And I've already told you that reopening theaters is going to be more expensive because you're going to have, you know, more, you need more employees to practice safety. And you're going to be running, I'm telling you, just everything's going to be more expensive. And they're not, they're not going to be able to make it up at concessions because people are going to keep their masks on. Kyle Hudson at Silver Scholar 4 says, with Zachary Levi's casting as Kurt Warner, who would I like to see play his key figures in Warner's journey, such as Mike Martz, Tori Holt, Isaac Bruce, Kerry Collins, and Larry Fitzgerald? I have not thought about that. I mean, so much of that is going to depend on budget. Do you want you know, someone like John David Washington, who you know played a receiver on Ballers and has actual receiving skill, do you want him to, to be in it? Or 
you know, John David Washington is a fucking bigger star than Zachary Levi potentially after Tenet. So, you know, can you really have him overshadow the guy as Kurt Warner? Are they just going to hire, uh, you know, a, bu- a bunch of uh, people who, who we don't know or, or are barely familiar with? It, it depends. I also don't know how much those guys actually factor into, you know, how much of this is going to be about Kurt Warner actually playing NFL football. That That is the question. I think it's just getting to the NFL. That is really the journey for him, not necessarily, you know, going on to become – I don't know if they're going to show, like, the Super Bowl and him, you know, winning the big game. It depends. Uh, you know, a lot of things like that, those those scenes require extras, and extras are going to be the first thing to go in, on, on these movies. So I don't know if you're going to have scenes with big uh, – movies with big crowd scenes. Slip and Jimmy. No casting rumors on, on PTA's movie. If I hear anything, I'll put it as rumor of the week at the end of this podcast. I've got nothing. Broom Kid again. What do I think about the bogus Star Wars Kennedy sequel rumors? I haven't been paying attention. I, I saw, yes, that, that they're, they want to just get rid of all the Star Wars that they just made. It makes no sense to me. I don't fucking care about what happens with Star Wars. Just wake me when Mandalorian season two is there. Uh, David Drano likes the bus cut. Hey, thanks, buddy. Am I, have I invested in any hats? Is it bald myself? I know hats are important. Um, I, I don't. I have a red hat, which people like look at me funny uh, with the whole, you know, MAGA shit. It is a wild stallions hat from Bill and Ted. I didn't bring a hat home. I'm not a hat person. I wasn't before. I also wasn't planning to shave my fucking head. Um, Dad has a bunch of hats, but I don't like any of the hats except for the wild stallions hat that I gave him. And he, he was mad at me for wearing it to the beach too the other week because he's like, well, I thought that's a collector's item. Like we could sell that for money one day. I'm like, fucking tang in there. Like I need a hat. Uh, Will Jujulis, I know Collider had a screening a while back, but is the rest of the public going to see Boss Level anytime soon? Doesn't sound like it. Sounds like uh, they had a deal with Byron Allen at Byron Allen's Entertainment Studios, and the deal didn't close, or, or Byron Allen cut it loose, or whatever. Uh, I don't know if it had to do with Mel Gibson or, or what. I mean, Joe Carnahan said some stuff too. Um, God bless him. Love Joe Car. <laughs> Love Joe Carnahan. But uh, yeah, I, 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 that I don't know. Um, I don't know when Boss Level is going to hit. It, it, it wasn't great. I mean, what do you want me to say? I, I love Joe Carnahan. I love Frank Grillo. This is not great. Um, what is going on with Joss Whedon and Ray Fisher? We talked about that. As an insider, do I anticipate some giant Whedon stories dropping? Yeah, I, I don't know if the trades will have the balls to drop those stories. I don't see sites like Collider or Slash Film or, or places like that. They may know more gossip than we've let on. I don't see us, you know, publishing a story like that. Um, you know, could it be something like the Daily Beast or the LA Times? Yeah, I, I could see something like that. I just don't know what exactly Ray Fisher is referring to in the first place. So I don't want to cast further aspersions on Joss Whedon. Because the truth is, I wasn't there, and I don't know. Just like, uh, what's his name? Alan Tudyk, who came to his rescue. Nate Olshan, what are my thoughts on Keaton's Batman being the Flash movie? We covered that last week, Nate. Watch the podcast, bro. Thomas Drufke, if I had to put money down on, on what month or year Tenet would be released, what would I pick? I would pick October. And short of that, I would pick summer 2021. I just... I, I just don't, I don't see it. I just, um, you know, could I see it in December and in, in the place of Dune? Yeah. Again, this all has to do with marketing. So it's not like, well, you know, Nolan's is a summer movie and he wants it in the summer. And so, you know, we're just going to push it to next summer. No, if you haven't really started the Dune 
marketing campaign, which you haven't, at least compared to tenant, if you've already spent those marketing dollars, then you, you want to get the most out of those marketing dollars. And so you're trying to put the release as close as possible to where it originally was. So if, if that isn't October, then maybe it's December. I mean, you know, December is crowded. Top Gun's there now. But at the same time, you're fucking Christopher Nolan. So it's like, you're the bomb that drops and everybody else clears out. Yeah, I, I, I would guess October, then December, third choice, 20, summer 2021. Uh, I think that that will do it. We're out of mailbag questions, guys. I don't know what is going to be happening with my Twitter feed. I may get rid of it on July 4th this weekend. That's where I've been leaning towards. I'm coming up on 100,000 tweets. How many times? If You've pressed a button 100,000 times. I feel like Twitter's got me under its thumb. I want to break free. I think I need a Twitter break anyways. Um, It's just not what it used to be. You know, you can only even only be so honest because if you say the wrong thing, then you, then you get canceled and, or, you know, people think that you're some racist misogynist and it's like, listen, racism and, and your thoughts on racism and gender politics of Hollywood and all this shit can't be encapsulated in a 140 character tweet. It can't. So anyone who thinks that they know my stance or take on something based on a tweet sent five or six years ago, it's like, it's just crazy to me. Um, so yeah, I don't know what I'm going to do with it. I got to think long and hard about it, but I'm probably going to be going away for the foreseeable future. Yeah. Um, but thank you for, for tuning in all all these years. I mean, I'm going to figure out a way for everybody to get in touch with me and make sure they can, you know, still get the important announcements. I'm probably not going to delete the account. So I like to keep my DMS open. Got too many people who who DM me, not just sources, but you know, people I want to stay in touch with. So uh, if, if you've been through me, been with me through thick and thin, thank you. Um, if you've, you know, tweeted something nasty and I've blocked you, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, it, it's not you. It's me. I'm just, uh, you know, trying, try, trying to protect, protect myself. Um, but yeah, Twitter, it's been the source of some really cool things and, and the source of some terrible things. I just think it's really ugly out there and don't know how much longer I want to participate in that. Um, anyways, guys, you can follow my byline on Collider. I'll tweet out the author page uh, again before the weekend or something. Uh, you can follow me on Facebook, facebook.com slash Spielberg. I think I've got 33 more friend slots. Um, and you can follow me on Cameo. If you want to have more of a personal dialogue, if you want to ask me, to go long on, on a certain question or, or just a recommendation or whatever, hit me up on Cameo. Uh, I'm, I'm good for birthdays, anniversaries, to cheer someone up in the middle of the pandemic, whatever you want. Um, I think that's it. I think that'll do it. Guys, it's been a fun Snyder Cut. Have a great 4th of July weekend. Just stay safe out there. If you're going to go to the beach, wear some suntan lotion, bring a mask in case you run into anybody, etc. Really hoping... Things start to turn around soon because it's grim out there, guys. It's been a tough 2020, but we can get through this together. And I will see you next week on The Snyder Cut. The Medicare annual election period deadline is almost here. I'm Meredith Vieira, here with examples of people who started their search for coverage at MyHealthPolicy.com. Meet Larry. He likes doing things online, so he started at MyHealthPolicy.com. I took my time and found the coverage I was looking for, and... 
done. Next is Mary. When she wanted answers, she picked up the phone. I wanted a local perspective on plans, so I called MyHealthPolicy.com and done. Switched to a better plan. And Michael. I met with a local licensed insurance agent face-to-face and done. Go to MyHealthPolicy.com to compare top-rated Medicare Advantage plans in your area, including $0 premium plans, or call 1-800-GO-START. That's 1-800-GO-START. Meredith Vieira is a paid endorser. KF Agency operates MyHealthPolicy.com, not connected with or endorsed by the U.S. government or the federal Medicare program. A licensed insurance agent may call. Want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year, automatically dollar for dollar, with no limit on how much you can earn. Extra cash? Come on, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing when you realize all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2020 Nielsen Report limitations apply.